You know, this has always been a show that's a little unconventional. I mean, I know people come here more times than not, they want to hear about the Saints. And we're going to talk about the Saints today, but I want to lead off with something a little bit different. And it's the USFL. We have a team in New Orleans. All right, not, they're not technically playing in New Orleans right now. They're playing in Birmingham, which it's Alabama, and I get all that, blah, blah, blah. But get to know you New Orleans breakers. And how better to do that than to talk to their head coach, John Filippo? We're going to do that today on Datitude. And, of course, we're going to talk about the Saints. Don't worry. Luke Johnson's coming on. We're going to have a segment on the draft, and we're going to tell you about our exciting coverage that's coming up over the next week here on Datitude if you just wait for a second and listen to the song. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends out there at the Zurich Classic who are trying to figure out how they can hit a shot. Just like that. Just like Patrick Cantlay. Like Xander Shoffley. Like, I don't know, Colin Morikawa. All those guys. Are you out at the Zurich Classic? Have you been at the Zurich Classic? You know, every year I say I'm going to go, and then I don't make it. I haven't been to the tournament in probably 20-something years. Um, I've never had to cover it. I've covered a lot of things in my career here. Uh, by the way, I'm Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Speaking the Advocate at bet.nola.com. And this is Datitude, episode number 147 for a Friday, April 21st, 2023, the Friday before the NFL draft. And here I am leading off with golf. Um, we aren't going to be talking a whole lot about golf in this podcast. One of these, one of these years, we're going to go out to the Zurich. We're going to grab a golfer or two. Maybe we'll get some crazy golfer i don't know someone who doesn't make cuts and just have fun with him i bet john daly would be fun to have on the show don't you think one of these days we're gonna we're gonna go out there but i keep saying i'm gonna do it and then i don't um it didn't work out this week my wife's out of town this weekend so i am uh mom and dad for four days which is always interesting and fun it's you know it's the kids act so much different when mom's not home um, I love my wife to death, but they are much less whiny when she's not home. I don't know what it is. Can, can anyone explain this to me? They have been like little angels. And I get nervous and I get worried that, because look, the, the little one is always, I want mommy, I want mommy, I want mommy, because daddy sucks, okay? Well, let's be frank. We know, I, I go into this whole thing knowing daddy sucks. I'm not, I'm not jaded. And no, no one's, no one's, I'm not conflicted. I know who number one is. Number one is mommy. It, it, it's fine. It is what it is. I'm an old man anyway. Um, and I'm crotchety already. 54 years old and I'm crotchety. That's right. 54 with, uh, with a seven-year-old at home and an 11-year-old. And my 25-year-old is off married and about to be a grandpa too. So, you know, I've got a, I've got a conflicted personality. But that, that's what it is. So when mama goes out of town for work, uh, they're, like, super nice to me. And when she gets home, they go back to being, uh, who's daddy? Why is he here? He's in that room again, sitting in that chair watching basketball again. Why is he even here? Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I guess that means I should enjoy these four days, right? Yeah. I miss her. I miss when she's not here. She's not listening to the show, so I can say that and then be okay. But, uh, yeah, I miss when she's not here. But I do enjoy being, oh, daddy's kind of cool after all. Yeah, that, that won't last. We're not dumb. All right, you didn't come here to hear me talk about being daddy or mommy or whatever else we're talking about. You came here to hear about football. Today's going to be a cool show because it's not just the typical, you know, you would think the week before the draft and if Zach Ewing had his way, all we would be talking about is if you're not going to talk about the NBA playoffs, 
playoffs and you're not going to talk about golf, then what else is there to talk about? I mean, I'm not talking about Manchester United uh, soccer. I mean, so what else is there to talk about? No, we're going to talk about the USFL. And we have a, uh, a special guest on the show today, New Orleans Breakers coach John D. Filippo. I'm excited about it. And I, you know, you always worry when you get guests you've never talked to or met before, A, are they going to show up because we have a live show at 9.15. So if he doesn't show up, I'm kind of screwed. But he was there super early. Got to talk to him for 10 minutes before we even went on the air. Um, sounds like a great dude. Uh, he's going through a lot in his life right now. He's got an autoimmune disease that uh, is basically attacked his spine and or is in his spine I should say and his the disease that he has attacks um, different I guess limbs or appendages or different spots in his body and he kind of talks about it a little bit and anybody who watched a game last week and judging by the attendance you didn't watch but uh, you should have it was a fun game to watch the breakers defeated the Pittsburgh Maulers I believe the score was 22 to 16 uh, 22 to 15, maybe. Um, and this Breakers team is a lot like last year's, where they're defensive heavy, kind of like the Saints. Um, they have a quarterback who's kind of a veteran guy who, who came in this year. He played in the CFL, and he's now in the USFL. His name is McLeod Bethel Thompson. And um, he looked, you know, he looked bad the first half last week. And then he came out, and I think he threw for nearly 300 yards in the second half so it's a fun team to watch and the usfl some of the rules that they have there was no one there i thought you know i know they're going through all this and people wonder how they're going to make it and part of it is a lot of it obviously because they're not playing in new orleans they're playing in birmingham right now now they're going to be playing in new orleans eventually hope we hope that it's next year but we don't know that for sure they are trying to do everything they can to make sure this league survives. And the best way to do it, last year they played all the games in Birmingham until the championship, which was in Canton, Ohio. This year they expanded a little bit. They're playing at four different sites. Birmingham gets to play at home. Uh, the Michigan Panthers get to play at home. The former team of Bobby Bear. Um, there is a site in Canton, and I believe uh, Memphis is the other site. So the Memphis Showboats, who used to be the Tampa Bay Bandits, are... They're, they're playing at home. But if you haven't paid any attention to this, it is worth giving it a chance. There are some rules. And if for no other reason, then there are some things that in this game that I think the NFL should adopt. And I said this last year, and I'm going to say it again. The complete transparency that they have when they review calls and the quickness in which they do it with and the correctness in which they change these calls or don't change them is insanely better than the NFL. You hear from the room, um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stop the game. We're going to talk about this. They talk about it for 15 seconds. It's done. Boom. We're going to overturn this call because blah, blah. They don't spend two, three minutes with a call. Um, And they get it right almost every time that I've seen so far, they've gone in that room. They've gotten it right, and they've gotten it right I'm not exaggerating, within 15 to 30 seconds. And that's all it should take. And they get it right, and they, and they do it right. Um, the drone cameras are phenomenal. Now, I know the NFL is never going to let us hear the coaches talking to the players, I don't think. But wouldn't that be fun if they did? Um, now, and, and another thing, they're never going to let us hear it. You're never going to be able to go up to a coach. Could you imagine trying to interview Bill Belichick, not at the end of a quarter, when he's walking on the field because he's contractually obligated. But in the middle of a series and you walk up to Bill Belichick with a microphone, I would love to see that. I mean, I don't know what he would say or how it would work, but, man, I'd love to see that. So we uh, we talked to Coach John DiFilippo about all those things, about his condition, about how hard it's been to coach with his condition, um, being away from his daughter. He's living out of a hotel room in Birmingham. God bless him. Um, now, and for those of you who don't know that name, he's been around the NFL for much of his, not just his career, his life. Uh, he's been coaching for more than half his life now. He's 45 years old. He's been coaching since he was 22. He's been an offensive coordinator at two different places. 
He was quarterback's coach at, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the Super Bowl over the Patriots um, and had Nick Foles as his quarterback, Carson Wentz. And, you know, so we talk a little bit about that and about this team. And so we have fun with it. And then we get to Luke Johnson, who, of course, we got to talk about the Saints in the NFL draft. There's going to be plenty of time for that. Next week's show uh, is going to be on Thursday. We're going to do Thursday instead of Friday because the draft is on Thursday. And that show is going to be nothing but the Saints and the NFL draft. Um, but look, I'm of the ilk, you can get too much of this stuff. You really can. I mean, how many mock drafts can we read? How many mock drafts do we even care about? I, I don't care about mock drafts. You know, I kind of read them a little bit in maybe late February, early March, just for fun. Um, there's a site called, I think, NFL Mock Draft uh, something database i think uh and it's a compilation of all the mock drafts and i'll look at that but it changes so much and it doesn't make a difference because like i talked with luke the saints don't know who they're drafting the saints have no clue you you they can't pin it down to three guys or five guys or maybe even seven guys they have an idea of what position they want or positions they want but the saints don't have a clue of who they dra- of whom they are drafting on Thursday, and certainly not any time after that. So I, I know they have a game plan, but so mock drafts to me are just silly. After you get past, like, pick number one or two, there's going to be trades that change the whole thing, and then the, everybody's mock draft is screwed. Um, it just is what it is. Last year, it was a little bit easier. We kind of knew what direction the Saints were going to go in. That's a rare thing. That's a once every 15 or 20-year thing. Not going to know who the Saints are picking. No one knows what position they're picking. Don't let anybody fool you. Don't let the odds, you know, we tell you the odds at Caesars. We'll tell you it's minus 110 to pick a defensive lineman. That just means it's 50-50. It's 50-50 whether they take a defensive lineman or they'll take something else. And if they take something else, it's going to be offense. So it's 50-50 whether they take defense or offense. Shocker. You know, tells you nothing. So anyway, we're going to get into all that. But I want to get into our interviews right here, right now. Uh, because, again, we start with Coach Filippo. It's a really interesting story that he has to tell us. I kind of jump all over the place with my ADHD, um, and then we get to Luke, and we kind of just do an overview on what the Saints might be thinking because he would know better than anyone. And then I'll come back and wrap it up with my final thoughts here on Datitude. I'm happy to have Coach John Filippo of the New Orleans Breakers here with us. We're talking about some New Orleans football boys and girls, not just the Saints. The Saints aren't the only game in town. We've got USFL action, and if you haven't watched it, it's, it is absolutely worth watching. Uh, I watched game one. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, Jim. It's, it's been great, and it's even better when the USFL outdrew the XFL by a million viewers. So that's a, that's a, that's a good morning <laughs> that happens. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the first game against Pittsburgh last week, uh, it was a lot of defense. Good thing we got a good field goal kicker because he, he was working his tail off last week uh, against Pittsburgh Maulers. And, uh, Coach, uh, just talk a little bit about the excitement that the season is finally underway. And I know it's been a long off season to get ready for all this. Uh, what was it like to finally be out on the field? It was awesome. It was awesome. And, our, you know, our guys worked so hard during training camp and deserved that primetime audience, you know, on FS1. They did a great job with the broadcast. And, you know, we were lucky enough to pull that game out. Um, you know, we started slow offensively, uh, you know, in the first half and then, you know, turned it on in the second half. We pretty much scored on every drive in the second half uh, we had, except for one where we got the ball on the one-yard line and, and then pushed the ball past the 50 and flipped the field and chewed up a bunch of clocks. So we played better in the second half. Our red zone, you know, efficiency is not where we want it to be. One for five is not good enough. That is not championship-level football. And so we have to be better. I, I, love, I love my man Matt, our kicker. He's special teams player of the week, Matt Coughlin. He's an awesome kid. And he had I don't a punt, see. too, didn't he? Had to punt. Yeah, we lost Matt White, our, our special teams captain, uh, early in the game. And he punted and uh, did a great job. But I'll tell you, um, I don't want to see five field goal attempts again. Ever. <laughs> 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 well, the way your defense was playing, uh, we were doing okay. All right, uh, we never got into the, the topics of the show. But I think I think you'd see what the topics of the show are here. Here we go. We're talking with Coach John Filippo uh, about the USFL and, uh, you know, just – all kinds of good stuff with the league and not just, 
you know, we want to get to know Coach a little bit as well and know a little bit more about the Breakers. By the way, that's Vontae Diggs there. That is not John DeFilippo, obviously. And then we're going to have Luke Johnson on talking about the New Orleans Saints and their draft and what's going on. If you want to leave a comment or question, you can do so in your, in your regular place here on YouTube or Facebook. Or if you're on Twitter, you can message me at Jim Derry Jr. Good morning, Jerry. Thanks for joining us. Jerry is one of our regulars, Coach. Uh, he's, he's with us every week. Um, all right. Now, I want to talk a little bit. I want to go back to the team in just a minute, but I want to talk about you because you have an interesting story. Um, And you said this before we got on the air. You didn't realize this, that you have now been coaching football for half of your life as a 45-year-old. It it just, I mean, the life of a coach is not a glorious one as you're there uh, sitting in a hotel room right now where you're staying right now for who knows how long. Yeah, I'm I'm planning on being here till July 3rd because that's when the championship (laughs) game is. So that's that's how my I got brought enough stuff until July third, and then I'm probably gonna run out of underwear. I got to go home, but uh, yeah. So um, you know, it's it is what it is. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, Daryl Johnston and his crew have done a great job here in the Birmingham hub, and, and we're comfortable. Uh, our whole coaching staff is here in the Sheridan. Our offices are here. Uh, we play at Protective Stadium, which is right across the street. Um, we practice at Protective and at Legion Legion Field. Uh, so, it, which is 10 minutes down the street, we jump on a bus and go practice there. Sometimes, it's a great setup here in Birmingham. Um, the people of Birmingham have, have really welcomed us with open arms, uh, but we're excited. At some point down the road, hopefully sooner rather than later, we get down to New Orleans. I, now, obviously, you've been to New Orleans for uh, you know for games and things like that, as you were an offensive coordinator and a quarterbacks coach and an offensive consultant with a lot of, with a few. I don't want to say a lot. That sounds bad. With a, quite a few NFL. That's uh, a lot. Team. Okay, it's a lot. It's okay to say a lot. Um, But have you have you spent time in New Orleans as just you know, just enjoy it at all? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, a a good buddy of mine, uh, I I coach with uh, his wife and my family. um, We would uh, vacation. We we do Memorial Day and pick a different place in in the country to go do an Airbnb. And we did New Orleans about you know probably three years ago, year before COVID hits. And so uh, it was awesome. We spent three full days in New Orleans. Uh, I've been down. My dad is in the profession, too. Uh, I've been down for the Final Four a couple times when dad was at Kentucky. Okay. Uh, I've been to New Orleans a bunch. It, it's an amazing place. The food's incredible. The people are nice. Obviously, Coach, the atmosphere is amazing. So When, when you come down here for good, um, you need to make sure you bring some pants with that, that have an extra little extra girth to them because it's probably going to gain a few. I mean, you're going to look like, I mean, I've lived here my entire life, you know, and this is skinny, you know, yeah. so the, you know, it is what it is. Coach uh, Keith Kastner, I think he's being a little tongue in cheek when he says that he thought the breakers are from new Orleans. Well, there's hope. There's hope. One of these days soon, we hope the breakers are playing in new Orleans. Look, the league is doing what it can to get started. And I think they're doing a great job. They're yeah. putting a lot of money. Look, these broadcasts are putting a lot of money into all these things they're doing with the drones and you know, talking to you guys during the game and the players during the game. And it's a different kind of broadcast. And look, once they get this started and people realize how good this league is, they are going to be back in New Orleans. We hope it's next year. We don't know, but we, you would love to play somewhere in New Orleans, wouldn't you? Absolutely. We'd love to get down there sooner than later. And, and like, like you said, Jim, it's, it's the, the commitment that Fox – and NBC have put into this league is is awesome. There's there's more cameras at our games than there are for an NFL regular season game, and so you know, the viewership piece of this is very important to Fox and the way the way it looks, uh, and they do an unbelievable job with it. So the fact that we're the only league to go into year two since the old USFL it shows the commitment that people have made and the hard hard work by a lot of people. So the fact that um, you know we we took that step from going from one hub with all eight teams here to four in the span of one year. So now there's two teams at each hub that shows you the growth of our league. Now, Coach, I'm all over the place already. You can see I have a little bit of ADHD. It's okay. I want to go back to, to talking about you. I wanted to answer that question from Mr. Sure. Kastner there. But, you know, you have an interesting story. Um, you, not, you know, obviously you've coached so many – you've got to coach different players and in different cities and, and spent a lot of time in the NFL. What – Talk about your time in the NFL, and I'm, I'm assuming that one day you want to go back there. Um, you, you took a year off from the NFL. You've, you've had some interesting um, – you have a, a condition that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But, 
But tell me about your journey to basically to here and your, your time through the NFL and what you've learned from there. Yeah, uh, I've been very fortunate. Uh, spent 15 years in the NFL. Uh, was fortunate enough to win a Super Bowl with the, with the Eagles in 2017, uh, the 2018 Super Bowl. Um, so that was, you know, you're at, the t- you're at the top of the mountain in your profession. And I hope everyone, whether you're a doctor, an engineer, a radio personality, I hope at some point everyone gets to, gets to you know, be at the top of the mountain in their profession because it's really cool. It's really cool. And, uh, you know, experienced a lot of highs, experienced a lot of lows. And that's, that's today's NFL, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whether you're whatever in the NFL, an administrator, uh, in personnel. There's a lot of things that are in your control and a lot of things that are outside of your control. And it's just the way it is in, in today's world. Um, I enjoyed my time there. I learned a ton of football. Got to be around a lot of great coaches, a lot of great players, uh, and do a lot of cool things. Call plays, uh, a lot of cool things. Monday Night Football, amazing experience to coach in, call plays in. Um, but I'm really, I'll tell you what, I, I, I really am really enjoying my time here. I enjoy being the head coach. I enjoy saying, hey, I'm, you know what? The team looks tired today. Let's cut four plays at seven on seven, you know? You have a different feel for the for the whole thing when you're when you're sitting in that chair, and it forces you to view the whole the whole field. Like I'm not going to be one of those head coaches that doesn't know any of the defensive players. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Often, I've swore to myself I would never be like that. I'm I'm the head coach of the whole team, and so I've been around coaches before where you know they look at the other side of the ball as kind of a nuisance. Yeah. You know? And I just swore to myself I would never be that guy, and I've been a part of especially one staff where the offense was literally the, you know, it was the, it was, it was an awful experience uh, the way the offense was treated and coaches and, and that side of the ball was treated. And I swear I said, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be that way. So uh, it's been, uh, it's been a great journey, uh, but I'll tell you, you know, I'm, I've always been a kind of be where your feet are at. And so I'm, I'm really enjoying this experience. Um, speaking of your feet, uh, I, the, <laughs> That's a good segue into your condition. Now I can't even pronounce the condition that you, you have right now. You have an autoimmune spondylitis. Say it one more time. Ankylosing spondylitis. Okay, I still can't say it. You just you just told me, and I still can't do it. Yeah, and I, and I broadcast for for part of my living. Um, so, but it's an autoimmune disease, and it basically attacked. It's it's, it's attacking your spine, is 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 what it's doing, right? It, Basically, I have I have a severely arthritic spine, and what happens is is um, you know um, it, it can attack your joints and your, your limbs. Um, so, like case in point, when this first started happening, I had pain in my severe pain in my back, and then severe pain in my right foot, uh, and it was attacking some of the joints in my right foot. And for whatever reason, no one really knows. And sometimes some some people can affect your fingers, some people can affect your shoulder. Um, it just every everyone's different. So, mine decided to attack my right foot. Uh, I couldn't walk for two and a half months. Uh, I couldn't get out of bed without assistance. Without or if I didn't have assistance, it took me literally, literally 25, 30 minutes to get out of bed. It was so painful. Mm. Um, and um, thank goodness I live in Atlantic Beach, Florida, uh, in the off season, which is basically 25 miles east of Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, there's a Mayo Clinic there. And uh, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I got into the Mayo Clinic and, and I spent six days there. And they, uh, they found out what I had. And um, I'd been in so much pain for since Christmas time. Um, been told I had this, been told I had that, been told I had this, you know. And so finally they got me on the right path to, to being on the mend and uh, hopefully sooner than later, I'll be, be able to do life activities. I don't think I'll ever be able to run again, like do those things. I don't think I'll ever be able to do that again. Um, but I'll be able to take my daughter for a walk on the beach. I'll be able to, you know, um, chase her around a little bit. You know, um, I have a two and a half year old daughter. Um, I'll be able to hopefully walk the golf course, do those wow. things, do, do, do life things like that. I, uh, I read coach how you talk about the six days in the Mayo clinic. Mm-hmm. They, I read how just how scared scared you were because you went six days, and did and you say if, if I'm in the Mayo Clinic and they can't figure out what I have for six days, I mean people can't 
it's hard to fathom that that you're you're somewhere like that and for six days no one knows what you have right yeah and it's that's scary and um i mean they were getting close to discharging me without knowing what i have and and that's real scary and so uh, luckily uh the rheumatologist dr sullivan and her team um saw something on an mri they didn't like and uh, there's a little on my pelvis, there was a little like fuzzy gray area, like, mm-hmm. and, and they wanted to, they went lower on my back to get the whole thing. And then that's when they saw the heavy inflammation in my pelvis and my, my spine and, and those things. And I spent, I had four or five MRIs. One of them, I was in, the, I was fully enclosed in the tube for mm-hmm. over two hours. Oh, thanks. Yeah. For two, over two hours without a break. And luckily that's when they saw the whole thing. And, that's when they found out what I had. So you're, you're obviously not claustrophobic. <laughs> Thank goodness I'm not severely <laughs> claustrophobic. But I'll yeah. tell you what: if you're not claustrophobic, holy bananas! That's I, uh, I can't imagine. Hard. I mean, that thing's right on top of your face. Yeah, yeah, I know. I can't do it. I mean, they'd literally have to just—I wouldn't be able to do it. But you, you, you know, a part of the broadcast they were talking about it the other day that you were determined that when you took the field, when your team took the field last week that you were going to run out on the field, no matter what it took. And you had that boot rolling, man. I mean, you ran out on the field with that, you know, one a clomp, clomp, clomp with that boot, uh, but you did it. You I must did have, it. You must have been, it must have been a happy moment. It was. It was. And because uh, not long ago, I wasn't walking. And uh, I have my walkers right over here. My st- I still use my scooter a little bit to get around. Um, I still wear my boot. Uh, but, yeah, I... That was a, a, a moment of just, you know, thanking the people that helped me, you know, all the doctors that I put in time to help me, um, the trainers here, the doctors here. Um, that was a thank you to them. Um, I wanted to, I wasn't going to accept, I was never going to walk again. I was not going to accept that. And uh, that's not acceptable. And so, uh, yeah, I just, it was awesome. It was, it was fun to do. It was uh I've had several calls from people that, you know, um, you know, they, they say, Hey, my, I don't know what's wrong with my son. Like they, he may have, now that I know what you have, it's very similar. I've had several texts and calls of people that, um, you know, they now know what this is and, and, and they didn't before. And so it's just, you know, you never like to be the guy that gets something, but if you're going to get it, you might as well help people. Yeah, you might as well help other people with it while, while you have it, for sure. Tell me a little bit about your family. Um, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Reese. Okay. And, uh, she's back in Atlantic Beach, um, and she's awesome, and she got to see Daddy on TV for the first time that last night. That must have been cool. Yeah, and her, and her mom sent me a great video of that. And so... Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, I miss her a ton. It's 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 awful being here without her. But she's going to come out next month to watch us play the Memphis Showboats. You know, Coach, uh, the life of a coach. People don't realize you know, it is what it is. I mean, whether you're working in the USFL or, or the NFL or college football or I guess the XFL as well, it, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, the life of a coach is you're doing what you do. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm 45. I just turned 45 April 12th. I've lost count. I think I've moved 22 times. Interesting. And, um, you know, part of that, I, I got, I did cheat a little bit on that. Part of that, my dad was a coach and an administrator right. for a long time. So I moved like six, six or seven of those moves were, were with my family, my immediate family when I was a kid. But there have been a lot of moves in my, in my career. I mean, I've been hired, I've been fired multiple times. You know, it's just that's the life of today's NFL coach. It is what it is. I mean, there, there were 11 offensive coordinators fired last year in the NFL. 11. That's, that's over. A, that's over a third of the league. Okay. Coach, I had never gone through that until 2012 when our business changed greatly. Uh, I'm not going to go through the gory details, but basically I've been uh, hired and fired by the same company. Uh, well, the same group, at least anyway, uh, three times over the past uh, 10 years. But but you've obviously gone through different things. Um, and does it does it get to a point where you don't even get phased anymore when you get fired, or do you still get your feelings hurt? Oh, uh, you know, it, it's it's there's so much change when when that happens. I mean, your kids got you got to pull your kids out of school because there's so many people involved. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's not easy in today's world, in today's NFL, getting getting a you know getting a job. I mean, the money is is 
grown exponentially in what you make as a coach and as a player um, that there's more people that want to do it. Yeah. So right. that's the way it goes, and there's more competition. So, yeah, it's hard. I don't, I don't think everybody knows what they're getting themselves into when they decide to do it. We have a question as we get back into the football side of it. Ryan Shano asks, how much of a disadvantage is it to not have a true home game playing in the four hubs? Now, we're going to show your schedule in a minute. You're lucky enough, Coach, to, that you play a, a majority of your games in Birmingham, even when you're not playing as a home team. You get to play a, a game at home in Birmingham. And then Memphis isn't far away. So you're, you're right. playing more way, three quarters of your schedule than Birmingham or Memphis. But how tough is it not to have a real hub, a real home of New Orleans? You know what? The fact that these players don't know any better, like when I say don't know any better, they don't know any different. Yeah. Like cause the league started up last year. We, everyone was here. So our, our guys don't know any different than that. And so I know this, it will be a welcome change when we do have a true home. That will be a welcomed change. When the New Orleans Breakers are actually in New Orleans, um, that will be a welcome change for sure. Um, and, I, and you just saw the schedule there. And, you know, after a 22-15 to 15 victory against Pittsburgh, again, you play the next two games in Birmingham, Coach, against Houston. You're the home team this week on Saturday. I believe it's on NBC. Um, it is. And then, and then you play Birmingham the week after that on a Saturday. Uh, and then a couple games at different places, Canton, Ohio, and Detroit. But then you look and you got to – the last four games of the season, Coach, two in Birmingham, two in Memphis. So uh, at least you, you're able to spend a lot of the time fairly close to the same place. Absolutely. And it's, like I said, the city of Birmingham has been great to us, and we have nothing to complain about here. But like I said, it's, you do feel it a little bit. Like the yeah. staff have the best – I don't want to – they have a, a pretty good following here in the city. And so um, – it is. You do feel a little bit second fiddle at times, but that's just the way it goes, and, and we're willing to accept that. And we kind of try to use that to our advantage. I just don't let that Crimson Tide stuff roll on you, Coach. That, that stuff, I hear that you could get, you know, get really nasty. All right, I want to talk about the, the team, and let's start with the offense. Um, and a new quarterback for the Breakers this year, uh, it's McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who has a lot of experience. He's an older guy. He's like, uh, you know, you, you're thinking when you get to the USFL, you're going to get these young guys who maybe didn't quite do it in the USFL or, or the CFL the first time or the NFL the first time, and they go to the CFL or whatever. No, McLeod Bethel-Thompson's a little bit older. He's got a family. We saw his, his wife and, and daughter on TV the other day. And uh, what, what's it like coaching a veteran in, in a league like this? It's been great. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's been around for so long, and what I mean by so long, he's, he's, been, he's been in a lot of systems. Yeah. You know, he's been like that guy that got signed midweek to be the backup because somebody got hurt. You know, he's, he's been force-fed to, to learn offenses at a quick pace. So the fact that we had a three-week training camp and no OTAs or no, you know, no spring practice or anything like that, it didn't phase him one bit. And he knew exactly how to get himself ready. So it was great to have somebody that's been through something like that. It's, not once, but multiple times. Now you have a couple other quarterbacks, and I know uh, you you expect. And and one thing we've seen in the USFL, we didn't see it from the Breakers this past week, but most teams find a way to get their uh, their backup in a couple series a game. You never know, um, and it's a nice change of pace as well. Will we see that for the Breakers going forward? I don't like to give a, any scheme on. Okay, know, okay. But um, I, I know this. I, I, we all hope the cloud stays healthy all season. Yeah, well, I can imagine that. You, you have obviously have some talent. Uh, a receiver, you know, Johnny Dixon comes back, and everybody. I know everybody wants to talk about Johnny Dixon. But, you know, he is the guy that is kind of the lightning rod of this team. You never know when he's going to have, like, this explosive game or an explosive play. I mean, he, he can make things happen. Yes, he can. Um, he's uh, shifty. He's a great route runner. Knows how to set up routes. Um, explosive. Um, and he's a sure, pretty sure-handed guy. So, um, you know, uh, we're really excited about him. Coach, how long did it take you to, to get things together? And obviously you started probably working on plays and, and different things before you even uh, completely knew your personnel. Uh, but how long did it take you to – to feel comfortable, uh, and again, someone who's moved 22 times, I guess it's not that hard to get adjusted. But, uh, you know, getting to know these guys a little bit and getting a feel for what you wanted to do on offense. Um, you know, pretty early on, you, you, there's an, 
there's enough base offense you know you're going to run. I mean, you got to run something. So there's enough, enough base offense you know that's going to be in your plan to really get it hone in on what guys do well and what guys don't do well. So then, then you start to specialize after really day three, day four installation of the base package. Um, then you can start getting into specifics on what guys do well. Is it tough not knowing? I mean, you go through this offseason, and, you know, once you get to camp, I'm sure you're fine, but you don't know exactly what players you're going to have. Obviously, they all have different aspirations. They want to play in the NFL again, or some of them never have or never got a real chance and hope to. Um, so how hard is it with the transition of player personnel? Um, the hardest part about the whole personnel side of things is you're signing players you've never met. Yeah. You've never seen run in person. You've never seen catch in person. You've never seen tackle in person, throw in person, whatever their specific role is. You, you've never seen it. And unlike the NFL draft process where you go to the senior bowl, you see them at the combine, you interview them, you fly them in, you, you, you know, you watch all kinds of game tape. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are in our league where, you know, there's not a lot of tape out there on some of these guys. Yeah. So, I mean, you're doing anything. You're trying to go on YouTube. You're trying to do everything to find tape on these guys. So, um, that's the, 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 the hardest part is, you know, you got to exhaust every little resource you have to find information on players. Whereas the NFL is just so readily available to you. Jim Derry here on the Dattitude podcast on this Friday morning with USFL New Orleans Breakers coach John DeFilippo. And we're going to have Luke Johnson on in just a moment talking about the Saints and the draft coming up. Uh, coach, talk a little bit about your defense. Obviously, right now, I, mean, I know it may be hard for an offensive coach to say, but the strength of your team, they were last year. And, and I think you would admit that they are again. They played phenomenally, I thought, again last week. Let me tell you, as the head coach, I could care less what side of the ball is our strength. <laughs> I, I, I could care less. I, I'm so thrilled with the defense that we have here. Um, I think we're really well coached. I think we have good players. We have a good scheme. Um, they played lights out the other night. Um, that's the level that they, that the expectation level is that it, that's what they expect. Okay. That's what the coaches on that side of the ball expect. That's what the players expect. Um, we spent a lot of time this off season on our defense, you know, and, and making sure that a lot of those guys were back. Um, so I'm thrilled where we are defensively. We need to keep it going, you know, make sure we don't start reading our press, cl uh, press clippings, uh, how good we are and keep doing that every week. And I know our leadership over there won't allow that to happen. Well, I think we talked about it for 10 weeks last year about how, how good they were defensively, and they, yeah. they, they, they certainly are. We talked about uh, your kicker, and, and, you know, so you have the special teams. Now, talk, uh, before we let you go, I do want, you know, why should people watch, Coach, the USFL, if they haven't watched it already, why should they give the Breakers a chance? Because it's a great brand of football. America needs more football, okay, where we are right now. Okay. And I'll tell you what, America needs more football, and football should be on TV all year round. Because football is an un the ultimate team game. It's, it's, it's team before self. And our, our world needs a little bit more team before self right now. The major differences in the USFL between the NFL, obviously besides personnel, tell me about some of the rules. I know what they are, but I want you to tell me what you think uh, the, the major different rules are. Well, the onside kick is the 4th and 12 from the minus yeah. 33, which is really a cool deal. That's, that, that's really neat. Then we have a three-point play from the 10-yard line. Um, we kick off in the 20, so there's a return pretty much every, every, every time you're getting a return. Um, and it sets up the offense, to be honest with you, because you're getting great field position. So, yeah, it's really, really neat. I don't know what the official average uh, start is, but I think I, you got to figure. The, what, I, what I saw last weekend, and I watched part of every game, all of your game, uh, they're starting at like the, between the 35 and 40-yard line. Every, yeah, every it, it was around. It was around like I think the thirty-five or six last year was the average. That's your kind yeah. of football, isn't it? Absolutely, man. <laughs> Let's go. Bombs away, Coach. Thank you so much for for taking a lot of time out this morning to talk to us here Thanks on the Dad Podcast. Me, and we are so excited. We hope we get to see you in New Orleans soon. Uh, we'd love it, and uh, we'll be the first ones out there when you get here. I appreciate that. It means a lot, and we hope to see you guys sooner than later as well. All right, Coach, thanks a lot. Have a good one. Coach, See you John, guys. Coach John DeFilippo, and it's time to, to turn our attention to Luke Johnson and the Saints draft uh, as we move on here on the Datitude Podcast. All right, Luke, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, man. Thanks We're inside of the week till draft day. Thanks for waiting in the waiting room, by the way. I know you got a lot of stuff to do, and I saw you waiting in there for a little while. So That's all I, good. I appreciate it. Um, all right. Oh, 
What's the life of an NFL writer? You know, I like to, to ask people about themselves. The life of an NFL writer a week before the draft. I know it's like enough is enough already, but here we are. Yeah, I've been writing about the same thing for like, uh, for like a month straight, you know? <laughs> How many uh, different... I'm, just, I'm, so, I'm so ready for, for Thursday to get here just because it's just... Uh, I just want to put it behind me at this point. But. Do you read mock drafts too? No. <laughs> well, you okay. don't. I take I take that back. I, there there are there are a few that I'll read, uh, just like like some uh, some writers that I trust. Um, sometimes I like looking at what the beat writers think because it, these these national ones like like you, you know you, you I, I read ones that that make picks for the Saints. And I'm like Saints right. would never pick that guy, right? Right? Because I, I know because I, I I'm around them all the time. I know what they look for and all that. Um, but you know, you you read the other beat writer mock drafts, and you're like, okay, well, well, they probably have a pretty good sense of what they like in in players, um, and that's that's probably a little bit more my speed than uh, than reading like the Kuipers or whatever. And it, you know, I've been saying this on shows for two weeks now. You can, if you want to believe the mock drafts, or you're just reading them for fun, or how, whatever they mean to you, fine. I mean, do what do whatever makes you happy, I guess. But here's the thing: the Saints don't have a clue on who they're drafting next Thursday in that first round. Tell me I'm wrong. No, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I think they have a clue of who might be there. I think right. they have, like, a cloud of players who they're they're considering at that spot. But, yeah, there could be somebody who's who's there that they are absolutely not expecting. You know, somebody could, like, fall into the, the low 20s, and they might be like, uh, we didn't think that guy would be there. Exactly. Let's, let's package our, our, you know, third and fourth rounders to move up. Yeah, I, I mean it's totally possible. They just the draft is so unpredictable. We see it every year. Every year, everybody's like, "Man, you know, this player was a reach," or you know, like Alante Taylor last year, right? Right, right. Everybody, everybody had him as like 100. Like a day three pick. Um, you know, the Saints took him at number 49, and everybody's like, "Reach!" And then he has guys like me said that because the, these teams spend so much more time on on these guys and like. And people are taking these these prognostications beforehand as gospel, you know. When the Saints got a really really good player, number forty nine. So I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's just so unpredictable, um, and and you can't take you know what everybody says. This guy's a first rounder. This guy's a you know second to third round guy. Like they could take that. They could take the second and third round guy in the first round. They could take a first rounder in the second round, and he could flop. You know, you just. You just don't know. That's why the Saints have no idea what's coming on. Now, how do you how do you go into Thursday night? Now, by the way, we're going to have a live show. Uh, the Bayou Bet Show is going to be live Thursday throughout the entire first round. We're hoping Luke is at least a little part of it at some point during the night. But how do you go into Thursday night preparing yourself? Because you know you expect the Saints to pick 29th, but you don't know for sure they're going to pick 29th. You might have to change you know direction in a real quick hurry how do you pre- prepare yourself mentally for what might happen on thursday well i just think that you know as soon as the draft kind of starts getting into the the early teens yeah it, I, I mean i think you're, you're, gonna, alert. you're gonna be watching it just as like kind of a fan through the first you know probably hour of the draft while, while the top 10 is going on and you know looking to see what some of the the rivals are doing you know there's two two division rivals obviously picking in the top 10 one of them has the number one pick right um so you know you just kind of watch it and then you know as soon as it gets to probably like 12 or so i mean if you look just at like the the Jimmy Johnson draft trade value chart they could theoretically move up into the top 15 if they really wanted to right but like it's like Jalen Carter falls out of the top 10 let's say Right, a guy who's kind of a consensus top three talent in the draft, but he's got those off-field issues. Let's say he falls into the top fifteen. Like maybe the Saints are like, whatever. This guy's a generational player. Um, we did not expect to have an opportunity here. Let's let's give up a bunch to go get him. I mean, it's it's plausible. It's possible. Absolutely. So so I think, um, you know, once once you kind of get to that 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 stage of the draft, you have to just be ready to move like i'll have like a you know a, a like a, a post ready on our on our website that you know, as soon as the pick's announced it's it's going up on our site and, and, and disseminated to everybody you know and then and then you're kind of furiously working to, to you know, put together as much information as you can and that's that's the one helpful part about spending the last month writing about the same damn thing over and over and over and over again is like you just build up this 
this like database uh, and, and you, you know a lot about these guys already. Luke um, Johnson, Saints beat writer here with us on the Datitude podcast this morning. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine after you go over these names over and over again, I mean, of course, you're not going to remember them all. And when you look, by the way, when you get to my age, you're going to forget most of them. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll get you like, damn, what's his name again? Oh, I forget. Anyway, uh, but, you know, that's why we have lists like this. But, uh, you know, you take a look at this list that we have on the screen. And this is the consensus uh, NFL mock draft sim. OK, and, you know, you talk about a Jalen Carter who was probably expected to be the second or third pick of the draft uh, a few months ago before he got into a little bit of trouble. We don't know where he's going to go now, but it seems to be that people, and I'm not saying me because I don't necessarily think they're going to take defense, but the consensus among the experts, and I put that in air quotes, is that the Saints are going to go defense. So if they do, trying to get one of these guys on this list, there may not be any of these guys available when the Saints uh, pick, but do you think that's where they're going to one of those guys on in the first column of this list? No, I, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. You know, I think that's probably where I'd mean them going just because of who you would imagine could be available at that spot. But I think they've positioned themselves to where they don't have to go one direction or another. Um, and, you know, I think if you look at what has been a problem for this team for the last two years now, it's been they, they haven't had a very explosive offense. Um, so, you know, they just invested $150 million in the, in the quarterback and Derek Carr. Right. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're like, yeah, let's, let's just surround this guy with as many weapons as possible. And let's hope our defense hangs on for another year while we're able to kind of, you know, maybe add to it next year with the top level picks. Um, so I, look, I, I'm personally expecting them to go defense. I don't, I just don't think they have to. And if, if something like if B. John Robinson's there at 29, exactly. like, take that guy. I mean, who wouldn't? And, you know, you talk about the, the guys that they may be willing to trade up, the the generational talents. I mean, Bijan Robinson is shooting up the draft board. If for some reason he were to fall to a 13-ish or a 14-ish or a 15, I mean, just two weeks ago they were expecting him to go 20th, and now he's expected to go 8th. But, you know, if if he does fall a little bit, that's a guy that the Saints potentially could trade up to get. Yeah, I think so. I look at I mean, there's there's legitimate arguments against taking a running back in the first round, right? Yeah. But um, but I, I I do think that that when you when you start to talk about like outside of the top fifteen of this draft, you know, if if you could get like a top five, top three maybe player in this draft, right? Um, and somebody who who could really add some juice to your offense at, at a position where you, it's still kind of a little bit of a need for you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, why wouldn't you? I, 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 there's so many things you can do. Um, and, and again, they, they just invested this huge pile of money in Derek Carr. Like, give that guy every tool possible to succeed. And if they don't, I mean, you look at some of these other game, names in the list, and, you know, the one that strikes me is Jamar, Jameer Gibbs is he, he's a lot like Alvin Kamara in a sense. I think yeah. he runs a lot like the same. So I'm not sure that he would fit the same scheme because you don't really want two of the – the same guys, I think. But, you know, you go down this list, and Tajay Spears is an interesting running back, and I don't know exactly how he's going to translate. Um, Shane from, from Texas A&M, we all saw him run. He's got the power, and he's got different things. So I think one of those names on the, that list, I don't know who it's going to be, but I really think at least in the first – three rounds, the Saints are going to draft a running back because I think they know they have to. And I think it's going to be one of those names in that list. Yeah, I agree. I, I think B. John Robinson is the only candidate for me in the first round. Right. I would consider. Uh, but Jameer Gibbs is is a really, really strong option at 40 if he's there. Um, I really like Zach Charbonnet, the UCLA running back. Um, yeah, I think he could give them uh, you know, another big body power running back and maybe complement what they have already really well. Um yeah, I really like Roshan Johnson as well. He's he's kind of a guy who's maybe a little underrated in this draft because he was playing in Bijan Robinson's shadow. Right. right. Uh, but you know, he's another guy who's he's he's big. He's really athletic. He fits all these traits that the Saints like. And then on top of that, because he backed up Bijan Robinson, he has like no mileage on his legs. Right. And he wasn't even like a high school running back who who they were counting on for forty carries a game in high school. He's a high school quarterback. So I, I just think. You know, he's a guy who's like kind of a sneaky, like good target for the Saints, maybe in, in round three. I, 
I'm a little less sold on A-Shane um, than some other people are because um, although he's an absolute burner, he ran like a 4-3-2 at the Combine, um, his other testing numbers were kind of mediocre, and he's a small back. So there's just like some things there that really don't align with what the Saints have kind of traditionally valued. Luke, there's one I always wanted to know though. How does a guy named Charbonnet end up in California? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I think he might be like a, even like a like a Arizona high was, school guy or something. Is like he that. Arizona? I thought he was from Oregon. So I mean, one I knew yeah, he was from the West. He's West. actually from the West. West. Yeah, like I so have it's to, not like he's from Louisiana and he transplanted himself over there. He's actually from that uh, from, right. I, I kind of half expected his name to be pronounced like Charbonnet or something. Uh, like yeah, that. Charbonnet. Yeah, yeah. Do the, <laughs> the pronunciation when they're not in Louisiana. Oh, you know, like Mark Melanson in, uh, in exactly. baseball. You know, yeah. like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Uh, Berg Aaron uh, instead of Bergeron. All right, uh, enough of name playing. Uh, look, the, the, besides running back, uh, look, we also talk about I think wide receiver, offensive line, both of the those positions, I think, are possibilities. And you look at some of the names in the list, this list, obviously, there are going to be some names that are gone. I mean, Smith and the Jigba is going to be gone by the time the Saints draft. So is Quentin Johnson. Uh, you know, and uh, the first three names of the list in the offensive line are going to be gone as well. But it, it wouldn't be a surprising thing to see the Saints go in that direction either. Um, and to me, I have this gut. I don't know if it's a gut feeling or whatever it is. Maybe it's heartburn. It's, well, I think wide receiver uh, would, would not be a surprise at all if they decided to draft a wide receiver. You know, you wrote about it uh, earlier this week. Michael Thomas insurance, maybe they do want that. And they're going to sit around Derek Carr with every ch- possible chance to succeed in this offense. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they took a wide receiver. Yeah, me either. I, and I think that, that translates to tight end, too. I, what I, yeah. I, think, I think it's they, they want to give him as many – pass catching options as, as they can. And I think that they, they want to avoid players who are similar in skill set to Alave and Rashid Jiki. And that, that kind of eliminates players like Jalen Hyatt um, or you know, Zay Flowers. I, I think they're, they're looking for, for another receiver or tight end who's, who's somebody they can go to on third down in the red zone, um, a big bodied chain mover who's going to haul in contested catches. So when you're looking at those kind of guys, you're looking at maybe like Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, who I really like. He might be a guy at number 40. I really like Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, uh, about 6'1", 220. He didn't play in like a like a, a pass-heavy offense, but he still was really, really productive. He was a team captain. He fits a lot of the traits the Saints like. Super athlete. Um, you know, I like tight end Darnell Washington from Georgia. Um, guys like a I ab- do too. He's an absolute freak. Yeah, I mean, he really is. <laughs> 6'6", 260, running like a 4-5-40, and, you know, he's already a really, really accomplished blocker. He, he can play that kind of traditional wide tight end in the Saints offense, give him a huge target, and let them – I mean, think about the matchups you could create. If you do yeah. a two-tight set with, you know, Juwan Johnson split out wide, Darnell Washington on the end, um, and then you got Mike Thomas, Chris Olave, and Alvin Kamara on the field. I, I mean, that's a, it's a really, really impressive set of, of offensive weapons. So it's just it's an area I think that the Saints can't just feel complacent at. No, I agree wholeheartedly, and I I, I do think that uh, I think when you look at this draft in the end, there will be more offensive picks on it than there will be defensive picks because I think that's where more their needs are. Um, you know, I think defensive linemen we talk about it all the time. Of course, there are differences in the top notch guys, but to me, after you get past the the, the top six or eight in the league, they, they're all kind of similar kind of guys, especially on the interior. I'm not necessarily talking about on the edge. Um, there's only one Cam Jordan on this team, and that's just how it is. But when you go talk about interior throughout the, the, the past you know, decade, 15 years or whatever it is, you, you can count the number of guys that, were, that meant that big of a deal to this team on one hand on the interior of the defensive line. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with you there. And, and it, it, that's especially when you're talking about players who profile as nose tackles. Yeah, for sure. Right? And it's like like a lot of people, I, I, you know, I remember about a month ago, I brought up like Brian Brzee, the Clemson defensive tackle. And, uh, you know, a bunch of people were like, well, Mozzie Smith might be the might be available. It's like, well, I mean, Mozzie Smith played nose tackle his entire career. Right. Michigan. He might profile as a nose tackle in the NFL or like a 3-4 end maybe. You know, but like, 
I, I don't and think not he's an every down player, maybe. I yeah, I don't think he's a three technique guy, right? Yeah. And and I don't think the Saints are going to value him at like the first or second round level, maybe later. But he's probably not going to be there. I mean, he might, but yeah, it's it's why I think it, there there are some some potential options there where you could you could get one of those guys in the third or fourth round. Um, if somebody like I, I really like um, South Carolina's Zach Pickens, mm-hmm. um, you know, big guy is like a three technique. Um, you know, could could really fit in. I you know this um, this Northwestern. I'm going to butcher his name. Adetamawa Adabori, I think. Yeah, it, I'm glad you tried it. Okay, so um, look, I, I mean, some people are profiling him as an edge rusher. Some people profile him as a as a like a three defensive back. Do not take the guy from Northwestern. I think you. Yeah, look, I think um, you start talking about Wildcats, and that's what happens. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. right. Look, I I think I think he'd be he'd be a really interesting option. Guys, another when you're talking about physical freaks, ran a four four nine at two hundred eighty two pounds. Like, you know, I I don't know what what he is. You know, maybe they they take him and let him be like a like a sub rush guy on third down from the inside but um i think there's there's you know a chance it could get like a special player you know and, and there's there's all, all sorts of those guys um it, that you know have a chance they, they're just not sure things i think that's okay with the defensive interior all right before we let you go um i know this we know except for last year which it was weird because things kind of went according to the script that doesn't happen uh we know that the saints are good for uh Expect the unexpected. I mean, it's going to happen. You, people could say whatever they think they, the Saints are going to do, and you can think you know. But, you know, who was it Jim Moore that said you think you know, but you really don't know and you never will? I mean, that's kind of what the Saints are, right? I mean, you go in there and you'll be like, um, okay, what, why they – we didn't see them picking this guy. I mean, that, that's more likely than not, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be, I think, my fifth or sixth draft covering the team, and there's there's been something every year where I was just like, uh, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, like a few years ago, I'm like, wait, who's Peyton Turner? You know, exactly. I, I, I had no idea. We're you still know? saying and, it. And you know, <laughs> that's, that's an unfortunate topic. But yeah, it's 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 true though. Like I, you know, I don't think you can go into any Saints draft ever and be like, yeah, they're absolutely looking at this guy. Even though you know, kudos, like you said, kudos to Rod Walker, by the way, who, who last year in this mock draft nailed both Got Chris it. and Trevor Penning. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I just think that you know, they they the reason this is true is because they have their own beliefs and and their own set of of rankings. They don't go by what everybody else thinks. They they go by what they think, um, and they go by what they prioritize. You know, at, for for defensive linemen, that's length. You know, for across the board, it's 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 athleticism and size. Um, you know, for quarterbacks, I think they could draft a quarterback this year, and and they're going to place a premium on guys who, you know, maybe are not like the super athletes, uh, but guys who are who are athletic who are or who are accurate with the football, um, and guys who are processors. So you know, they they have traits that they prioritize, and they 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 stick to their guns. They don't care what anybody else thinks. I think this is going to be, and, and maybe I'm spoiled because, again, last year you kind of had an idea of what what direction they were going in. But um, I think this is going to be one of the more fun drafts for those of us who don't have to write about it. I mean, now I have to do a show about it, but I can talk for five hours about, I don't know, tomato sauce. So, I mean, it doesn't make a difference. But to actually have to sit there and be prepared to write a story because you don't know what the hell you're going to have to write, that's a different story. So I, I can say that it's going to be a fun five hours. For you, yeah. maybe not so fun, my friend. It'd be like kind of like watching, I don't know, the Brewers this year. Hey, man, they're great this year. Look at, look at them leading the center. I think they got the tied for the best record in the NL. Well, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. It, it, and and at least when I'm watching the Brewers, I'm not I'm not on on deadline. You know that like like I'm going to be next Thursday. So yeah, well, uh, you know my my Cubs have uh, have been up and down. They've had they had a really good week, and then last week they, uh, I mean last night they. You know, gave up the salami late, but it is, you know, it is what it is. We'll be fighting back fun. and forth all year long. I think, I think we're actually going to be competitive this year. So that at yeah, least will be yeah. fun. competitive and fun. Like the Cubs, the Cubs have been fun. It's, it's kind of, kind of reminds me of like the early, uh, early Rizzo days. So 
I agree. I think we're headed in that direction. Well, at least more fun than 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 you're going to have next Thursday night. So, yeah, the draft is great. All right, just, just look back to me at like ten o'clock at night when I'm trying to get a 500, 600 word story done. Yeah, well, we're we're going we're to make sure you get to come on the show, and we're probably going to ask at the most inopportune time. So just be prepared for that. We'll talk to you next Thursday, Luke Johnson. Thank you so much for being on Datitude. Thanks, man. Oh boy. Always fun to give a Brewers fan a little poke in the ribs. They are good right now, but it's still fun to mess with them, you know, because being a Cubs fan, there are just certain teams you don't like. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody has it. No matter what team you follow, whether if you're just a Saints fan, then you, you hate the Dirty Birds, right? But across sports leagues, what teams do you just not like in general? Maybe we'll do a show on that. Maybe in the offseason during the summer when we have nothing to talk about and we can't get a great guest like we did last year a lot of, a lot of weeks, uh, maybe we'll just have a show of what teams do we hate. Uh, that could be a fun show. Or maybe it wouldn't be fun. Who knows? But we'll do it. We can do whatever we want here on Datitude, right? Doesn't mean you have to listen, but uh, you will. You'll listen. And you'll be listening next week on Thursday as we bring on Jeff Duncan. I know you guys love when Dunk comes on. I can tell by the numbers, by the way. The number's definitely better when Jeff Duncan's on. Um, and I get it because he is all-knowing. Um, no one knows more about the New Orleans Saints and football around here than Jeff Duncan. I'm, I'm, you know how in the beginning of the show when I said everyone loves mommy, but when she's gone, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll hang out with daddy. We'll be super cool. That's kind of how it is with Datitude and Jeff Duncan. We'll listen most of the time when it's just you or you're talking to someone else. I mean, I could be talking to the greatest person. In the, I mean, I could probably bring on, I don't know, who's the greatest person in the world? Man, that's a tough. See, that's a show. I have no idea who's the greatest person in the world. I don't know. Whoever it is, I could bring on the greatest person in the world, and you probably wouldn't listen as much as you listen when Jeff Duncan's on. I don't know. Probably swells his head when I tell him that too, by the way. But it is what it is. But as we go out here today, we will uh, have that next week. And, again, if you didn't hear us earlier talking about it, we're going to have a, an entire live, the entire first round of the NFL draft. We're going to be live on Bayou Bets. It's going to be fun. Uh, five hours or so, the entire time. We're going to have uh, Spencer, the guru, Urquhart, is going to be at Saints camp. He's going to be coordinating things for us. Dunk's going to be on. Luke Johnson's going to be on. Rod Walker's going to be on. Taryn Walk's going to be on. All of our peeps at Saints camp are going to come on at some point in time while Zach and I lose our voices. So another good reason to do Datitude on Thursday because I probably won't be able to talk Friday morning. Uh, I may end up taking Friday off. We'll see. Don't tell anybody because I'm supposed to work on Friday. So if I take off, can y'all keep that a secret and not tell anyone? All right. So what are we going out? What song are we going out with today? I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, the breakers, how can we have a theme of the break? I, I thought it was cool. I thought Coach Filippo, you know, like I said, he came on and talked to me for like 10 minutes before – um, we even started the show. And it, it was kind of cool. We were talking uh, like we knew each other. Um, a really down-to-earth guy, from what I can tell, again, just that little bit, uh, 10 minutes before we got on the air, and then, what, 20, 25 minutes while we're on the air. So 30, 35 minutes total, and seems like a really good dude. And I can't wait for this team to come back to New Orleans. Um, I think there's a good chance that this team plays in New Orleans next year. I don't think it would be in the Dome, though. Um, it could be, but I think more likely they might play somewhere like Tulane or something. Um, I would hope they would do it there and not try to do it like Tad Gormley. I don't think that would work. Uh, I think Tulane is probably the best option if they can make it work. And I, I think they could. Anyway, that's, that's my hope. I don't know anything on the inside. Um, but I do think from hearing little birdies tell me, I think there's a good chance that they play in New Orleans next year. We'll see. Um, it's definitely not a done deal, but they're trying to make sure this league survives and they're doing whatever they can to make it survive. And the only way to do that really is to have all your ducks in a row. Um, and money-wise, they're putting a lot of money into this. Fox and NBC are both spending a lot of money on, on the league. Let's hope they continue their contract whenever it's up. It's probably a three-year deal. So you know that they have next year. 
and hopefully it'll go beyond that. We'll, we'll see. But it's been fun uh, so far for those of us who have watched it. And for the New Orleans Breakers, it's kind of a cool change, right? I mean, it's different. Uh, and I think the USFL in, uh, in general is a cool change. And if you watch it, you, I think you would feel the same way. Now, it's not the same level of football. I'm not going to try to sit here and lie and say it's NFL caliber football. It's not. It's not as good as the NFL. Um, but there are lots of things out of it that I think the experience as a whole, I think, could be if you give it a chance. And again, a lot of new different rules. And so I think it's a cool change watching the Breakers play. And we're going to continue to watch them as they go through um, this week, next week, and as they go through all the way, hopefully to July 3rd when they play in the championship game, I believe, in Canton, Ohio. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. But I know what is definitely going to happen, and that is the Saints and the NFL draft. Again, our show next week will be on Thursday when Jeff Duncan will be my guest. And look, maybe by then we'll know who the Saints are taking. I'm just kidding. There's no way to know who the Saints are taking. They don't even know who they're taking. But we can pretend, right? We can tell you our best guess. But, I mean, really, can we do any better than that? Uh, we'll see. All right. Talk to you next week again next Thursday. We'll see you then. Everybody have a wonderful week. Spend it with the ones you love. And we'll talk to you in six days. Peace and love, my friends. Time.